0: You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast presented by Sapphire Legal. Workplace Perspective is a regular podcast series for employers and employees focusing on education, training, and the law to help organizations of all sizes develop and maintain successful workplace relationships. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective do not necessarily reflect those of Sapphire Legal or its attorneys and should not be considered legal advice. And now, here's your host, founder and principal attorney at Sapphire Legal, Teresa McGrath. Queen.
1: Thank you, James, and welcome, everyone, to Workplace Perspective, where we are striving to raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Today, we're going to be talking with Ryan Godforson about unlocking the power of mindfulness in your organization and gaining what he refers to as the mindfulness advantage. I'm really excited to hear what Ryan has to say. It's going to be a really great show. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
0: The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective do not necessarily reflect those of Sapphire Legal or its attorneys and should not be considered legal advice. You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast presented by Sapphire Legal.
1: Welcome back to our listeners and welcome to Workplace Perspective, Ryan Godfridson.
0: Thanks for having me on, Teresa. I've been excited about this.
1: Me too. I'm really excited. So before we get started, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about you and kind of what you do?
0: For sure. Yeah. So I'm a leadership professor at Cal State Fullerton, and I'm also a mental success coach for organizations, leaders, and, em- and their employees. So I help, I primarily go into organizations and I help them awaken to their mindsets and enhance their mindsets to become more effective, agile, and mindful.
1: All right. I love that term. What, did you, what, was the, what was the leadership part that you said?
0: The, you said
1: you were a business...
0: A leadership professor.
1: Leadership professor. And
0: then a mental success coach.
1: That's the one. I like yep. that one. That's a really cool title. I like that.
0: Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> I mean, so the idea is, in some ways, is there's sports psychologists that are out there that mentally prepare their athletes to perform better on the field. And then my job is to go in and help leaders perform better in the office place.
1: I love that. I have to remember that. So just to put everything in context, why don't you tell us what you mean when you say mindfulness in a workplace context?
0: For sure. And I think that the best way to talk about mindfulness is actually to start by talking about the opposite of mindfulness, which is mindlessness. (laughs) And so mindlessness is when we operate on autopilot. And the thing that most people don't realize, and it's kind of shocking is that 90% of our thinking, feeling, judging, and acting is driven by our non-conscious automatic processes. In other words, much, most of what we do is we do it on autopilot. And, and so mindfulness is just the opposite of mindlessness, is rather than operating on autopilot, we operate consciously. We're aware of ourselves and others and the world around us in the here and now. And the basic idea is that the more mindful we are and the more consciously we can operate, the more effectively that we can be.
1: I, that really resonates. So I do a business etiquette training, and mm-hmm. we talk about rudeness and incivility in the workplace and how impactful that can be. But it's interesting because it's, I always point out that it's, I, I really don't think people are intentionally that way. I just think that they're so involved in the in themselves and looking inward and not really thinking about the intent of their actions and how their in, actions impact others. So I like I like the correlation. I'm always looking for, sure. for correlations. No, that's great. So I read I read about you somewhere that you said at some point you were a bit of a cynic about mindfulness. Tell me tell me why you were Because I would imagine if people I'd share this with you when we were talking about preparing for the show that business etiquette is one of those words that people either have a a positive connotation or a negative connotation, and I would wager it's kind of the same thing. For sure.
0: And if you would have asked me a year ago, if I would be on today on a radio show talking about mindfulness, I would have said, you're crazy. And I mean, part of it was because I, at the time, I really didn't understand what mindfulness was. And and. Also, because I kind of felt that mindfulness was this kind of hippy dippy thing. Everybody that I saw talking <laughs> about mindfulness were these, you know, yogis and, and they're out going on these retreats. I'm thinking, that's just not me. But, uh, and and I'm an organizational behavior person and organizational behavior is considered soft. And if organizational behavior is soft, then mindfulness is now really soft.
1: <laughs> that's off the chart so, squishy.
0: Yeah. So I my guess is that there's listeners out there the same, that feel the same way and I want to break the stigma because the reality is that mindfulness has bottom line effects on businesses. And that's something that I've come to learn over the course of the last year, that really this idea that the degree to which employees and leaders operate consciously and mindfully shapes everything about how an organization operates and functions.
1: Do you, I don't want to put you on the spot, but do you have any like tangible statistics or something like that that you could kind of share with us to put that in?
0: sort well, of a well, sharper point. Let me let me give you some context on the research uh, dealing with mindfulness. So Mindfulness has been researched on an academic perspective for, for the last 40 years, but for the first 30 of those 40 years, it was primarily focused on does mindfulness and meditation relieve stress? And and everything is that has been found in that regard has been positive. In the last 10 or, or even less years, the research on mindfulness in the workplace has exponentially increased. And what what we're finding is that mindfulness has a whole host of benefits that, that range from improving how we process information, our creativity, our decision-making. It helps us respond more positively to feedback. We behave more rationally. We have better communication quality, greater empathy, more intrinsic motivation, better performance. I could go, I could go on and on. I mean, all, any of the research that is out there on my on mindfulness is suggesting that it has strong positive effects on almost any positive outcome that we could study in a workplace setting.
1: So going from being a cynic to being what you being what you are now, and yeah. and the focus that you have now, what was what was your aha moment? What what changed it for you? Uh,
0: I'm not sure if I had one aha moment, but a string uh, of moments, and and it all let me just kind of put it in perspective is I I came into this from the leadership realm. So when I've been studying leadership for the past 10 years, and for the first about five years, one of the things that I found is that the focus on leadership, from both an academic perspective, as well as a practitioner perspective, is that we need to help leaders know what to do to be effective, we need to focus on their behaviors. But what I've come to realize is that effective leadership isn't about what we do, it's more about who we are and the motives for why we do what we do. And, and so what mindfulness does is it gets at the at our motives. And what I found is that the leaders that are the most effective are, are, are the leaders that are mindful because they focus on becoming a better person as opposed to just doing the right things. They do the right things for the right reasons. <laughs>
1: And we'll, we'll we'll get a little more detailed in the second part of the show, and this might be an appropriate place to to, to set that back to. But what you're talking about seems to me like it requires a lot of self awareness. And you and I have both worked in the corporate world, and we understand that that's that's a rare commodity for sure. You, yeah. Yep. So
0: <laughs> unfortunately,
1: yeah, which kind of leads me into. So is it is it really been difficult to sort of overcome the corporate mentality when it comes to mindfulness because? Corporations do do tend to, especially when things get tight, it's the soft skills that get pushed off to the side.
0: Yes. And the other problem here is that if you ask people if they're self-aware, what's their answer?
1: Well, of course I am.
0: Exactly. So, so that's the problem is that anybody thinks that they're self-aware. They just don't know what they don't know. And so it's really hard to open people up to the idea that they need to be more self-aware. And so surely there's a couple of factors going on here. One, there's somewhat of a negative stigma around mindfulness and that it's kind of this fad or even hippy-dippy. But then the second thing is that organizations primarily focus on the things that they measure. Let's just say revenues, for example. And they generally don't do a good job of focusing on the things that drive the things that they measure. So to play out this example mm-hmm. is is in the case of organizations wanting to drive revenue they may want to focus on customer service. Now some some organizations measure customer service and others don't. But one of the things that nearly well most organizations don't measure is mindfulness and mindfulness drives customer service and customer service drives revenue but the focus is primarily on either revenue or if you're lucky on the customer service but nobody's really trying to measure mindfulness thus it's not really promoted within the organization so we want it so what happens is in organizations is they train their customer service representatives here's all the things that you need to do But really what they need to be doing is, here's the type of person that you need to be. And you need to be a mindful person in order to provide high-quality customer service.
1: I like that. I think that's really interesting. Getting over that the corporate mentality when it comes to mindfulness, how much do you think that culture actually plays into the mindfulness issues? Because we know that that's the buzzword. Um, Improving culture. And I, I do it in sexual harassment trainings. I'm always talking about... It's the culture. Part of this, you know, we got to address this. Um, So how does that that kind of play into it?
0: Yeah. So the thing about, as I said before, so 90% of our thinking and operating and feeling and acting is driven by our non-conscious automatic processes. And so the culture is what shapes people's non-conscious automatic processes. So when you enter into an organization, mentally, you're kind of wired to try to fit in and try to fall in line. And that is a rather mindless approach to doing things and and surely socially acceptable. And and so what we need to do is we need cultures that allow people to develop non-conscious automatic processes that are positive, but we also need cultures that incentivize and bring out more conscious processing and create space in order for that to occur.
1: How do you, how do you, how do you do that? How do you create that space?
0: Great question. So one of the things that's important to recognize about mindfulness is it has two components. So one is present. So you're present in the here and now, and the other is awareness. So we need to enhance both of these things, and we need to think about both of these things like they're muscles. So mindfulness really is a muscle. It's something that we need to work out, and we need to do so on a consistent basis in order to strengthen that. I mean, we, we've got a problem in that we've got cell phones in our pockets at all times. So I don't know about you, but if I'm standing in the line at a grocery store and I'm, I got nothing to do, my automatic reaction is to go to my cell phone and pull it out. Well, you see, we could tell the strength of our mindfulness muscles by the degree to which we can sit with ourselves and not think about anything. And how long can we do do that for is indicative of how the strength of, of our mindfulness. And so we're usually not very good and not very strong with that. But what we can do within an organizational setting is we could create opportunities for employees to build those muscles. So we could give them some time and resources and space in order to work those out. So some of the ways in which organizations do that is they teach them breathing techniques, give them time for meditation, maybe even yoga, uh, and and time to be intentional. Maybe even let me throw out a suggestion that I found that has worked really well for me, which is a book called The Five-Minute Journal. And so the 5-Minute Journal is a book where you answer three questions in the morning and, three, and two questions at night. And it's just setting aside time to be intentional about your day. What are the feelings that you want to bring? What, the, what is the impact that you want to have within your work? And, and it really helps set the tone. And then also at the end of the day, reevaluate. How, how did you do? And in the process of doing this, you're training your mind to be more mindful, conscious, and intentional uh, with the time that you have.
1: I love it. I love it. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to hear more from Ryan on the power of mindfulness in the workplace. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hello, it's me, the designer jeans in the back of your closet. What happened to us? I used to summer in the Hamptons, and now I'm stuck behind a pair of sweats. Okay, maybe I never really fit you right, but I got a lot more Sunday fun days left in me. So take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference.
0: Your donations to Goodwill create jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to Goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council.
1: If you enjoyed today's show, do this, share us, like us, give us a review on your favorite podcast app. It means a lot to us, and it ensures more people tune in and raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Welcome back, everyone. We're talking about the benefits of mindfulness in the workplace with Ryan Godforsen. So, Ryan. Practically speaking, let's get down to the nuts and bolts of things, all right? So how can you actually improve mindfulness in leadership, for example?
0: Good. So one of the things that I do, and this is my specialty. So I just mentioned how mindfulness has two components. There's the being present component, and then there's the awareness component. To me, where I do most of my work is on the awareness component. And what, one of the things that I've developed is a personal mindset assessment that leaders can take. So my understanding of mindsets is that our mindsets are the mental lenses that we wear that shapes the world that we see. And and I see that you're wearing glasses at the moment. And so as you go about your day and you wear your glasses, do you lose consciousness of the fact that you're wearing glasses? Do you just yeah, forget that Yeah, pretty the, 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 much. Right? I think yeah. So. Each of us has our own unique glasses that we're wearing over our kind of our mental eyes that shapes how we see the world. And how we see the world is different than how anybody else sees the world. But it's hard to recognize that because these are perpetually with us. But our mindsets color our vision. And in fact, I like to call them our mental fuel filters because they're the ones that pick on pick up on select stimuli, that stimuli goes into our brain, and that fuels our thinking, learning, and behavior. Really, almost everything that we do is driven by our mindsets, and this is what drives our non-conscious automatic processes. And I think mindsets is a term that most people have in their vocabulary. But if I were to ask you the question, can you identify a mindset that drives success? Could you answer it?
1: Wow. Wow. I don't know. Not unless I gave it a lot of thought.
0: (laughs) See, that's the problem. So I go around and I speak about this and I either get one or two answers. One is, I don't know. Or the second is a positive mindset. Well, of course that, you know, I can't disagree with that, but it's not very specific. And and so here's the thing. But if we can become uh, aware of specific mindsets that drive our success, that are fueling our non-conscious automatic processes, then we can awaken ourselves to a level that we've never awoken before. And so my, I've got a mindset assessment that focuses on, on four different sets of mindsets uh, that range on a continuum from negative to positive. And so by taking the assessment, they could figure out where they are on this continuum from negative to positive. So they can identify where they are and then where they need to go at, at a very deep level within them. And, and so it's a, it's a very cool thing to work with leaders and organizations because I get the experience of seeing their eyes light up about themselves and figure out... Uh, sometimes some really great things, but also room for improvement. And so, uh, you know, I guess before we move forward, just if anybody wants to take it, they could go to my website or they could text my mindsets to 44222 and it's free. It's on the web. uh, And and you could awaken to your mindsets if you're interested.
1: Okay. We'll make sure we get that up on the show notes so people can find it. Let me ask you something. When... So when I go in, for example, to do an etiquette training, everybody's mm-hmm. so excited. Oh, you're going to come in. You're, t- you're going to teach us to be nice. Yep. It's all about being nice and soft and squishy, and it's not. And so when you're talking about the positive and, and the negative aspects of that, do you also talk about using the negative and that the negative can actually be? I don't want to say a positive, but it's not all about it's not all about being nice. It's 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 about being aware of when to when to when to pull one aspect and the other. Does that sort of make sense? Well,
0: so, and this is one of the things about it is what research has found is uh, uh, about our mindsets is and across these continuums is there there is a negative side and there is a positive side. And we need to continually try to move towards that positive side. Now, what what usually happens is what I found through over several thousand people taking my mindset assessment, only 5% of people are consistently on the positive side with all four sets of their mindsets. And so it suggests really all of us have room for improvement if we want to become more effective and really get out of our own way. And, and so what I tell leaders is the first time they take this assessment, first time they awaken to their mindsets, is don't beat yourself up over this because you have been doing the best that you can with the knowledge and experience that you have. But now you have more knowledge and now you have new experience. Let's build upon that. And, and one of the things I do is I walk through, okay, if you do have a negative mindset, here's the negative uh, ramifications that it has, and and then it, the pieces start to click for them, and and it becomes, oh, if I if I want to be a better leader, I need to be a better person, and now I have some direction on how to do so that I really didn't have before.
1: Interesting. Tell me tell me how you've been received overall by organizations, good or bad, or.
0: Yeah, so I feel like it's been uh, both good and bad. I would say there's those that find the ideas associated with mindfulness and mindfulness to be really insightful because they're awakening to something that they've they've never awoken to before. So it is really eye-opening and inspiring. But I will say, and maybe unsurprisingly, these people are the ones that have a tendency to be more mindful and aware to begin with. But then there's those who are less mindful and they're the ones that are caught up in the game of business. They only seem to be concerned about what's being measured and their lack of awareness makes them unable to see the foundational role that mindfulness plays in higher decision-making quality, innovativeness, organizational culture, and ultimately organizational performance. And so, there's there surely is some people that they're just not open to the idea because they're unable to grasp its importance.
1: How do you deal with that? How do you deal with? In my head, as you're talking, I'm thinking my phraseology is fatigue. So how do you de- How do you how do you reach those people who are either fatigued on both sides? So the people have just been worn down by the culture, mm-hmm. the people that have come into the culture thinking, yay, this is going to be great. And they, they get fatigued as well. It's just like fighting upstream.
0: Yeah. And that's where I feel like the mindset assessment is really helpful because it's it's the somewhat objective tool that is supposed to be neutral that... And it, what it does is it compares, if you were to take it, it would compare your mindsets to thousands of other people. So you can't get around the fact of where you stack up relative to thousands of other people. So having something objective and, and tangible, because you could print this off, uh, really helps facilitate the conversation around it. And, and without it, it, it turns into an argument. But with it, it's now something that we can discuss and, and, they, and people become open to. What's
1: your share with us your favorite your favorite success story where you where you've gone in and it's been well received?
0: Yeah, and, and I was very fortunate. I had a Fortune 10 organization come to me this last summer, and they <laughs> said we want to use your mindset assessment for our top 130 leaders within the organization because we're coming up on a huge merger, and we got a we need to make sure that we have our mindsets right. And so uh, they their top 130 leaders took it, and one of the things that our, our big finding for them was that 42% of their leaders have a fixed mindset as opposed to a growth mindset. And what a fixed mindset means is that they don't believe that they can improve their talents, intelligence, and abilities. And the problem with that is if, if you don't believe that you can improve your natural talents, uh, intelligence, and abilities, and you meet, fail, you meet failure, then you're left to interpret that as though you are a failure. And, and so what those with a fixed mindset have a tendency to do is when they're met with challenges, they have a tendency to walk away from those because they're scared of failing and being exposed as maybe a fraud in their minds. But somebody with a growth mindset, they see any challenge or even failure as opportunities to learn and grow because they believe that they can change. And so here's this Fortune 10 organization, forty percent of their top leaders are have a fixed mindset, which means they're prone to walk away from failure or, or challenges as opposed to approaching them. And now they're coming up on a massive merger, like this is a huge red flag for them. And so what we then did is we we figured out ways in which we can promote having more of a growth mindset within the organization.
1: I love it. What are some key takeaways from both perspectives that you could share with us? So key takeaways for employers and Key takeaways for employees who might be participating or looking into into this type of training.
0: For sure. So if if you're an employer or organization and you want to improve or if you want to become more agile and you aren't talking about mindsets, then you're going to struggle initiating any sort of change and improvement. You see, again, our mindsets (coughs) are foundational to our thinking, our learning, and behavior. And if we just try to direct behavior without first changing the mindsets the prevailing mindsets are always going to resist the changes that you're trying to make and so it's really important as an organization that you focus on pushing the mindsets forward then naturally the thinking learning and behavior will follow and correspondingly so will success so organization and organizational leaders need to be talking about mindsets if they want to improve Uh, if you're an employee or an or a leader within the organization uh, what I found is that most people, they have lofty dreams of success for themselves. They want to rise up the corporate hierarchy. Uh, they, they want to be as successful as possible. But what I find is the thing that primarily holds them back is themselves and either their limiting beliefs or their negative mindsets that they're not aware of. And, and so by becoming more aware of of their mindsets, becoming more mindful as a whole empowers people uh, to become the type of people that are seen by others as likely to rise into leadership positions and to be put into influential roles where they can have a positive impact on the organization.
1: All right. Great takeaways. Great takeaways. Well, that's our show for today, Ryan. I, I want to thank you so much for joining me. And I, I believe I'm a convert as well now. All right. All great. Have. You just shared a lot of valuable insights with us and, and your, your, your unique perspective has been very insightful. So I want to thank you for coming on the show.
0: It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much.
1: If you want to learn more about Ryan and unlocking the power of mindfulness in your organization, you can find him on the web at ryangodfordson.com. That's R-Y-A-N, G-O-T-T-F-R-E-D-S-O-N You can also connect to Ryan via our website at sapphirelegal.com slash podcast and clicking on episode 18. I want to also thank our listeners, my radio angels, James and the Nave at Night, and WP's team, team extraordinaire, even if I can't say it, engineer and producer Paul Roberts with music provided by the very talented Stephen Versaloni. Thank you all for joining us on Workplace Perspective, and until next time, keep raising the bar.